Hello and welcome back to another fantastic episode of your favorite Two Shapiro's podcast, History from the Big Chair. I'm not Chloe and with me is... Not Brendan. Yep, that's right. <laughs> if this is your first episode of the podcast, you're probably very confused, but I'm sure you figured it out. Yeah. So, just a few things I'd like to start off with. Um, the Tipping Point U.S. tour has officially ended. It ended this week, I believe. Was it Wednesday? I believe. I believe, yeah. Was it Wednesday it ended? Or something um, like I, I believe so. <laughs> you believe so, yeah. <laughs> so, we're super proud of the band for what they continue to do. They put on a fantastic live show. It was very cool seeing a lot of people at the Hollywood Bowl. Julian Lennon, which was really nice to see. The psych cast. A lot of the psych cla- James uh, class. Cast, yeah. <laughs> James Roday. James Dule Hill. Uh, Maggie Lawson. Uh, there's another dude. I forget his name off the top of my head. I Too bad Tim wasn't me. there. He, he, I think he's going to conventions. So he, he's uh, on our side of the country right uh, now. He's, he's going to be in Pittsburgh this weekend. Yeah, I don't know if you saw. Uh, Will Wheaton was there too. He mm. put Will Wheaton, yeah, from uh, the Big Bang Theory, as I know him from Star Trek mainly. I wonder there. if Gaten Matarazzo saw them again this time. Hey, he's a, he saw them last time, apparently. Yeah, yeah he's a Tears for Fears fan, to my knowledge. I've met him, so uh, if you ever meet him again, <laughs> ask him about ask him about Tears for Fears and ask him oh, if he wants to ask him if he wants to come on History from the Big Chair. <laughs> as if, bro. He's an A-lister. Yeah, Stranger Things has kind of died down. Oh, it'll come back. Trust me. Yeah, and then another 80s song is going to become number one, and I'm going to get sick of it. Because I love, you know me, I love Kate Bush. But I like, do. I, uh, not, I don't know. I got sick of that one a little bit, which is crazy. I think I, we all did. It's such a fantastic song, but I got sick of it. Because Hounds of I, Love, if I, Songs of the Big Chart didn't exist, Hounds of Love's the best album from 85. I heard Running Up That Hill sometime recently. I don't remember when or where. I was somewhere with my sister, but that is all I know. I was just doing a pass through um, Kate Bush's discography recently. And I did Hounds of Love, and it's just so weird. That song just sticks out like a sore thumb anymore. Well, yeah. It's Stranger Things, but it's still a great song from a great album. But... um, this isn't Kate Bush. This isn't Kate Bush and Bitch. Kate, Kate Bush doesn't have her own podcast. I'm sure there's multiple Kate Bush podcasts. She warrants one. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know enough to do one, though. Oh, me neither. So um, today we are going to be reviewing Side One, which is the first four songs of arguably my favorite album of all time in in words of classic pop magazine, when Tears for Fears were featured in it in 2020, the last 80s masterpiece, which is mm. quite the title. Um, wow. Of course, talking about the Seeds of Love, which we'll find out I am like kind of concerningly in love with. Like It's an obsession, really. Hey, man. You like, you. Like, it's going to be kind of gross hearing how much I love this album and like what it means to me and whatnot. But it's going to be gross. I'm here <laughs> for that shit. So I guess we'll just start out by mainly giving our seeds of love story that makes wow. sense from 2020 oh, i mean we i think well did we, get okay, into it? we we did go into it in um the uh whatchamacallit the uh heck the singles episode i think we can we can talk about it again i mean we wouldn't be here if it weren't for that so go ahead yeah so um through um early leaked and Insider information, I found out that The Seeds of Love was coming out as a deluxe reissue, which was apparently completed in like 2015, 2016, which just got shelved for so long. And did I have. And did they I were have... like, hey, coronavirus, yeah. world pandemic, time to release something. Time to release something, yeah. Didn't I get give you like the product images a whole two to three days before they even were announced? And I had the full track listing. I think like it that. was the day before. Oh, day no. before. It was well, a day or two before. Yeah. It was not the day. It was a day or two before. Also, before we continue, I'd like to... I still have a bit of a cough, so you're going to be hearing me coughing a bit. <laughs> I can't control it. Sorry, yeah. guys. It happens. Life happens. People get sick. And you know what? You should be happy that I'm here doing this <laughs> when I can hardly breathe. Oh, good so, lord. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wish I had a mute button, but I, I have don't. a mute button. Yeah. I know. <laughs> I wish I had a mute button in real life, too. Do I sound? <laughs> do I sound bad? Not really, no. Okay, like it's it's 
tolerable? It's listenable, yeah. Okay. Unless I get into a fit, then it'll be bad. <laughs> so try not to, try not to make me laugh too much. All right. <laughs> yep. Sick Chloe, guys. Gotta love it. Yep. 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 <laughs> there we go. <laughs> um. Anyway, I ever so rudely cut you off, which I haven't done in a long time. I've been... You haven't been listening to the episodes, but when I edit them and listen to them, I've been doing actually <laughs> no, I don't really, listen to our show. I've been doing a really good job at not cutting you off. So That's good. You're welcome. Keep it up, man. Thank you. <laughs> um, but yeah, I had the product images and the track listing a couple, I, I want to say a day or two in advance before they actually came out, officially announced by the band. And I remember I shared them on my story. Instagram. Back when I was, was I Tears for Swag at this point? Or was I still Yeah, irony? you know, yeah, it was the swag days. All right, so um, yeah, I shared those, and I think what happened, you just responded and asked me like a question about them or something, and that's it. Yeah, I responded and was like, oh, "That's so cool," or something like that. And, and now we do just a podcast went on from there. Yeah, now we do yeah. a podcast. Yeah, once a Tears for Fears buddy, always a Tears for Fears buddy. What can I say? But. <laughs> This is the Seed Love box. It's probably one of my favorite boxes that I own. It's definitely my favorite of the three, even though it lacks visual content. I won't complain because the audio material is just that darn good. Um, I, try, I see um a lot. Um, <laughs> so I've said like how much I like this album. Where would you put this one? Like how how much do you favor? Like is it up there as a favorite for you too? Of all time. Of all time for like favorite albums oh, ever recorded. Certainly. That's good. It's either one or two for me. <laughs> it's definitely top ten. Probably probably top five. Even. That's good. Yeah, it's probably besides like I think I only would, would rank two True Shafir's albums in my top ten all time because there's just so much by so many others that I like. Like my other favorite album of all time is All Things Must Pass by George yep, Harrison, George which Harrison. is one of the most spiritual gorgeous sounding records i've ever heard it sounds like it was recorded in like a chamber because of phil Spector's production. fantastic album but the seeds of love in my opinion is the tears of fears masterpiece not big chair not the hurting it's the seeds of love in my opinion it's not close like i've said this before i think the worst songs on the seeds of love are still better than the highlights from the first two albums and i know that's a weird take because i know a lot of people don't like year of the knife or swords and knives or Batman's song but I think take those three songs. I think they're better than like Mother's Talk or Listen or Everybody Wants to Rule the World. As crazy that sounds, I just feel that way. Mm-hmm. So I guess real quick, I wanted to give some background. You know, this isn't really necessary for the album, but I just like to talk about. And this is an observation I had: how much the landscape of music changed from '86 to '89 when they oh, were yeah. away. Mm-hmm. Uh, hip-hop was huge you didn't have nwa or public enemy in the mid 80s mm-hmm. you know uh, one of my favorite probably my favorite rap album of all time uh three feet high and rising by de la soul came out late 80s which is a fantastic album really innovative and everything like that um the smiths broke up in 87 so morris he's a solo artist the pesh motor the new big band of the late 80s yep mm-hmm. the, the whole movement of all these bands like duran duran which are only three members now in 89 mm. um the whole movement of the whole idea of putting these artists as pinups is just dead and mm. then the new pinups are like rick astley and jason donovan and bros and yeah. everything like that the uh whatever was happening to bbc radio one in the late 80s is what basically became the forefront of pop music at that time which to be fair i do like rick Astley, but i just don't like that mm-hmm. music at all and i guess some other stuff was starting to emerge with the alternative scene like stone roses in the late 80s um the laws mm-hmm. probably the best one album wonder of all time yeah and it could have been something else mm-hmm. and um i also really like when in rome when they in were rome, also yeah. one album late 80s too yeah that's, that's true i forgot about them was that 88, 89? Uh, either 87 or 88. I want to mm-hmm. say 88. Something like that, yeah. And yep. um, another one of my favorite bands from that, like one of my favorite duos of all time, I should say, emerged in the late 80s. Uh, 
one of the members of Bananarama left and did uh, with Marcella Detroit did Shakespeare's Sister, who had two really good albums in the late eighties and early nineties. Oh wait, one of them was in Bananarama. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Left. Yeah, and then Marcella Detroit, who's a fantastic singer, she was with <laughs> Eric Clapton in the seventies and eighties, I think. And there, they had some really good singles. Like you know, the song "Stay." That oh, I love that song. I love that, that song. song is and actually, so. That song has me interested in listening to the album. It's on. That album is so good. I'm gonna check it out. <laughs> Hormonally sure. yours is yep. such an awesome album title, and it's a great album too. It's quite marvelous. Um. So actually, in addition to like our story, um. I was still new, and we've gone over this before on, I think think it was the the first episode of the podcast, but if you're a new listener... Yeah, we were babies then, even though it was only April. (laughs) Um, What? That was March? April? When was the first episode? Oh, 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 uh, March, yeah. Yeah, we we were just little little babies then. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I was still rather new to the Tears of Fears fandom, and um, we were talking, and I guess... The release of the box set, or, like, the announcement of the release of the box set, um, came before they, like, officially said that a, a vinyl was coming with it. And so, I had been on eBay looking for, um, Seeds of Love vinyl, uh, but at that time, they only had, like, uh, you know, a 1989 or, um, what was it, 2012? 2012, which is ridiculously expensive. <laughs> but, for some reason... They were super scarce. Like, they were not like, any, oh, any no, copy that of album. them on vinyl. Like, none of them. And I, I remember um, I, I placed a bid on one, and I think I, like, looked at the track list, and I'm like, um, hey, so, Brendan, you're, like, newly my friend. I'm like, <laughs> um, where's Johnny Panic? And you're like, oh, so, and then, like, you got into the story of how the one on uh streaming platforms was a reissue and yeah. i was like oh shit and that was like the main re- reason i wanted the album at the time because up until that point i thought those additional um what is it four songs i thought those were additional four songs were on like the album can you imagine if the seeds of love just has famous last words and then tears roll down just starts right after it how anticlimactic that would be no, I know, but so like at the time, like I thought that that was the track list. So because I thought that Johnny Panic was my favorite song from the Seeds of Love, because I thought it was actually on the album. It's so, like that was the reason I was gonna buy it. And then you were like, "Oh yeah, no, it's not on there. No, no." And I was like, "Oh, okay." And so I was like, "I hope I lose this bid," and I did because people on eBay. They cut throat, bruh. I don't buy from eBay. You know this. <laughs> I so bidding is a pain in the butt. It can be at least. I've won bids before. I have, but if you're going for a hot ticket item, good luck. Do you remember that one graduate thing? Got what was it? Was a sign- me last freaking. It was second. a. Was, was it a signed copy of the album signed by Roland? It was a signed copy of Acting My Age. It was a good ass prize too. I was so mad. It literally, last freaking second. Last second. Like, I was refreshing and everything, making sure to check to see if anyone did it. And then the last second, literally, oh, I don't even want to think about it. <laughs> don't. 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 This isn't eBay anger from the bitch. <laughs> um, so, before we get started, usually for these album episodes, I do, like you know, uh, a poll for people's favorite song, but I forgot to do it, so I'll do that for part two, which is fine, because I have a lot to go into before we actually go into the songs. So, that being said, are you ready? Yes. So, starting off, um, The Seeds of Love is Tears for Fears' third studio album, released September 25th, 1989. Um... As far as charting goes, because I did that, <laughs> I figured you didn't. No. Um, that's okay. I like doing it. The only research uh, I did is fe- like knowing my feelings <laughs> on these songs. <laughs> um, in the UK, it hit number one. Woo-hoo. Nice, good job, guys. And and in the US and Switzerland, it hit number eight. That is the only data I have, and because I obtained it from Memories Fade, mm-hmm. um, and that's all they showed. 
So my guess is that those are the only countries where it hit 100, but that seemed kind of weird. But you know, I just got it from just, just think so. about that for a second. The Seeds of Love hit number one, but Big Church didn't in the UK. Oh, that's so weird. I mean, like you know, I feel Seeds of Love is a better album. British whatever. people, what are you doing? Come on. I mean, more love to the Seeds of Love than Big Church. Just saying, but you know, I'm not gonna run my mouth anymore. As far as certifications go, um, in Australia, Brazil, Germany, Hong Kong, the Netherlands, Spain, and Switzerland is certified gold. In France, the UK, and US, it's certified platinum. And once again, taking lead, Canada, two times platinum. That's kind of cool. Can Canada is like. I don't know. There's so many countries that are like pretty even when it comes to like fandom. Like, of course, you have the UK, you know, it's where they came from. Then there's also the US, where you know this stuff is greatly appreciated. And then there's Brazil, where so many people love them. But then there's Canada, where their certifications are the highest. So it's like, yeah, it's strange. Yeah. Well, don't forget, Canada back in '85 had that really cool song from the picture that with the gatefold and yeah. everything like that. So, listen, Canada likes their two shoe fears. I mean, the reception I saw of the shows they did there was crazy. Yeah. People, people were going to us. They played arenas. They didn't, like, here they played mainly, like, amphitheaters and whatnot. They played arenas in Canada, and they oh, filled wow. them. Oh, speaking of tours, um, so the day that we're recording this is August 5th, which is one month since we saw Tears for Fears together. Didn't even think of that. <laughs> yeah. Um, that was, was great such concert. a good night. It was My so wall special. still hasn't recovered from it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, That's but it was okay. yeah, fantastic concert, great night. Nice I want to experience you. that again. Yeah, it was nice seeing you too. Yeah, it was cool. Got the I, mean, bus- I got the business cards. <laughs> you got you got our business cards, but you figure. I mean, here we are now doing this for plenty of people to hear and for our own selves, of course. For you, at least. I mean, I don't listen to. It. <laughs> I'm done with this narrative. No, but 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 you. You partake in it, and you oh really yeah, partake doing this is it. like an absolute pleasure. It's great talking to you guys once a week. Yeah, yeah, it's, um, it's a pleasure doing this. But yeah, so like that's the that's how we met, and then we finally got to see them in concert at the same time. And then half the band quote tweeted us on Twitter. I'm still not over that. <laughs> oh God, no. Anyway, so I said charting and certifications. Now going into personnel. Yeah, this is where it gets (laughs) very a lot. Okay, so you gotta bear with me here. You ready? Yep. I know most people. (laughs) I can provide some comments as to what I think of them. For sure. So actually before I get started, something I would like to say is this um this is the their Tears Refuses most um woman oriented album like there's so many women who took part in this and as a woman myself personally i think that's really cool yeah as a man myself i also think that's really cool (laughs) good good yeah and especially um especially nikki and alita bring to the table on this album it's like oh absolutely awesome um yeah so like if you remember back for women's day um i did a whole post about all the women involved in Tears for Fears, and I thought that was actually a really cool thing that I did. Yeah, it got a lot of traction, and it was it very good posts. Yeah. So, yeah, fun it fact. Hit, it was a hit post. Yeah, so yeah, fun fact for you all. Seeds of Love is Tears for Fears' most female-oriented album. Gotta love it. It's probably part of why it's so damn good. Yeah. Because <laughs> you have more diversity, you know what I mean? And so much soul brought to this album. Help. You feel every word Roland sings and Alita sings on this album. It's just... Oh, absolutely. It's so, in personnel, um, of course, we have Roland Orzabal, lead vocals on um, Woman in Chains, Bad Man Song, Swings of Love, um, Standing on the Corner of the Third World, Swords and Knives, The Year of the Knife, and Famous Last Words. He's also credited for backing vocals, guitars, keyboards, and Fairlight programming. Um, next up is Kurt Smith. He is credited for bass guitar, backing vocals, co-lead on Soin' Stays of Love, and only lead vocals for one song on this album. And, of course, that would be Advice for the Young at Heart. Yep. Um, then we have Olita Adams. 
Uh, she is credited for keyboards, vocals on Woman in Chains and Badman Song, acoustic piano for Badman Song and Standing on the Corner of the Third World, uh, backing vocals for Standing on the Corner of the Third World. That is that. Mm-hmm. And as far as main personnel goes, last but most definitely not least, our beloved Nikki Holland. We yes. we love her here, you guys. We are yes. Nikki Holland fan club. Her <laughs> contributions to Tear Shafiras are so underappreciated. I would take Absolutely. Nikki Holland over Ian Stanley or Chris Hughes. I might agree with you there. No offense to Ian Stanley or Chris Hughes. Well, not Chris Hughes. <laughs> um, Nikki is credited for keyboards, bagging vocals for Badman's song, um, Advice, which she's very prominent on, yes. and A Year of the Knife. Um, and she's also credited for acoustic piano for Advice, uh, Swords and Knives and Famous Last Words. And the last thing she's credited for, I don't know how to pronounce it, it's Kurzweil Strings? I think you said that right. Okay. Yeah. She programmed um, the string arrangement on Famous Last Words. <laughs> then that's probably what it's in reference to. Yes. Now for additional personnel, uh, we have Simon Clark, who is credited for keyboards and synthesizers for... Badman's song and standing on the corner of the third world and Hammond Orion for um, Badman's song Advice to the Young at Heart, Standing on the Corner of the Third World and Year of the Knife. And I forgot to say Ian Stanley. So Ian Stanley credited for keyboards and Hammond Organ on Woman in Chains and Soy Seeds of Love House Phone. House Phone. Um, <laughs> it was Whoa. Hey, it was hey, I don't spam call. I should point out, Simon Clark worked with Bowie and um, Peter Gabriel, too. He's on So, which is a fantastic album, and he's on Scared Monsters, which is another fantastic album. Um, Next is Neil Taylor. We love him. Yeah. Um, Guitar arpeggio on Woman in Chains and rhythm guitar for Year of the Night. Then we have Robbie McIntosh. Who Who was in The Pretenders, if you ever heard of them. Oh, was he? He was... A late edition. He joined by like their third or fourth album. And he was in Paul McCartney's touring band in the late 80s and early 90s. Well, there you go. Yep. Um, uh, uh, So he's credited for lead guitar on Badmans and Near the Knife. And he's credited for slide guitar on Badmans. Yep. Uh, Then we have Randy Jacobs, who's just credited for guitar. Uh, Pino Palladino, credited for bass on... Badmans and Third oh World. my House goodness again. gracious! <laughs> House phone again? Is oh it my! The same? Go- is it the same spam? It's call? the same spam call. I don't even know what it is. It's not even my area code. So then, are we sure it's a spam call? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah, Peter Palladino based on um Badmans and Third Great World. Great bassist, by the way. Do you know he's he probably he's six <laughs> foot eight. <laughs> Holy crap. That's like twice my height. Yeah. <laughs> um uh, then we have the one and only mother trucking Phil Collins, bro. Yeah, Phil drums. Collins. Yes. Phil freaking Collins is just here. <laughs> Collins. Like he's is he British? Phil Collins, yeah. Genesis are British, yeah. Phil Collins oh is a Brit. God. I did not know that Phil Collins was British. Oh my! You didn't, did you know Today Genesis I were British? That Phil Collins and Genesis were British. Well, did you know Peter Gabriel was British? What? Yeah. Oh my God! Everyone's British. Yes, they um, are. Did you know I was? Wow. <laughs> Dang. Yeah. Mind blown from the big chair. I didn't know Phil Collins was British. Yep. Yep. Phil Bro, Collins I'm and mind Genesis. Blown. <laughs> Bro, Didn't Phil Collins be, beat them at the Brit Awards, the though? Now. Did he? Oh, maybe know. he did. Yeah. Wait, think... is it only British people at the Brit Awards? Yeah, because the American people get nominated for international artists, which a bunch of BS. Oh, my artists. God. I, I'm just stupid. 
Um, so Phil Collins drums on Woman in Chains from 332. Yeah. And it's pretty obvious when he comes in. You can tell. Yeah, they want him um, to do the In the Air tonight, Phil. And he's like, no. To, no. Nope. You have to pay me extra for that. <laughs> Next up is Kache. Yeah. Uh, credited for drums on also on Woman in Chains, but basically all up until Phil Collins comes in. Mm-hmm. And then he's also credited for Badmans and the uh, Third World. Yep, he is one of he's been Peter Gabriel's longtime drummer. That's how I know him. Everyone works with Peter Gabriel that works with Tears of Fears, I swear. You, it's you, like, you, you noticing that? Yeah, it's like a crossover of like I don't know. Like similar sounds, tastes between yeah. artists. Because you figure Chris Hughes, um, Manny Elias, Manu Kache, I think Pino Palandino probably paid Peter Gabriel like once. I don't know. Though. Probably not. Um, did I say Ian Stanley already? Mm-mm. Yeah, he toured with them in like 86 on the Conspiracy of Hope tour. So yeah, lot, lots of crossover here. Yeah. Um, then next up is Chris Hughes, credited for drums and production on Sewing Seeds of Love. Mm-hmm. Um, next is Simon Phillips, uh, drums... For Year of the Knife, but from the timestamp 504. Yeah, I don't know if you ever noticed that, but Year of the Knife is actually two different takes of the song put together. I'd have to listen to it again. And you can actually tell the drum sound on each different half of the song is completely different. They're mixed differently and everything like that. Um, That's for next episode. Louise Harding. I don't know how to pronounce it, but it's... uh, Latino dude of some sort. I looked on Wikipedia because I was like, that last name looks like it could be Hispanic. So, yeah. Uh, he's credited for percussion. Mm-hmm. And then there's Carol Steele, who is credited for percussion on Batman song and um, Standing on the Corner of the Third World. Um, she's the one who does the Bongos, right? She's yeah, doing she, in advice. She's in the advice video, and she toured with them. Yeah, but did she also do it on advice? Because she wasn't credited on Wikipedia. I don't know. They could. They could just be programmed. That's true. Um. Then there's Richard Niles. He is credited for orchestral arrangements. John Hassel. Rest credited- in peace. Oh, he's, he's fantastic, gone? fantastic musician. <laughs> Worked with um, David Sylvian from Japan. Oh, okay. Yeah. David Sylvian is just Nick Rhodes 2.0. Actually, Nick Rhodes is David Sylvian 2.0. Oh, right. David was first. Well, I'm biased, and I like Nick Rhodes, so... <laughs> um, but yeah, John Hassel is credited for Trumpet on Standing on the Corner of the Third World and Famous Last Words. Where the, where the freak is there? Trumpet on Famous Last it's Words. In okay. Um, then Peter Hope Evans, credited for Harmonica on Third World. Um, Kate St. John, credited for both saxophone and oboe on Swords and Knives. And actually, Kate St. John, she has worked with Nikki Holland before. Um, let me pull that up. I think it was with one of the bands that, or groups that Nikki was in prior to being on Tears for Fears, or maybe intertwined with or after. What, The Escape? No, it wasn't the escape. Um, I don't know. It's not what I knew. <laughs> no, so her and Nikki Holland and another woman, um, Virginia Astley, were oh, okay. in a group called the Ravishing Beauties. I've heard so of that. That, yeah. that was before Tears for Fears. Yeah, I've, I have heard of that. So yeah, um, Tessa Niles credited for backing vocals on Badman's. Standing on the corner of the third world and here of the knife, as well as the female vocal um, in Swords and Knives. Then there's Carol Kenyon, credited for backing vocals, once again, for Badman's song, Standing on the Corner of the Third World and here of the Knife. Um, Maggie Ryder, credited for backing vocals on Advice. Dolette McDonald, credited for backing Never. vocals on Year of the Knife. What'd you say? 
Sorry, you cut out. Doesn't ring a bell. Oh. <laughs> doesn't ring a bell. I, I know most of these people, but doesn't ring a bell. Yeah. Um, and then lastly, Andy Kane credited for backing rules on Year of the Knife as well. So there we go. Also, did you happen to say the <coughs> name? Um, I don't think she's credited. Did you say um Yasmin Evans or no? I did not. Because yeah, she sings on "Standing on the Corner of the Third World," but she was a, actually like a singer named Yaz. I don't know if you ever heard of her. She had a few hits. I think she I had might a have. big album called "Wanted." Yeah, out in like eighty-seven, eighty-eight. Oh my god! Called have. yeah, she sings on that album, but I don't think she's credited because she was on a different label. Oh. <laughs> so there's. Well, there that we go. Old, that old charming thing. So we're now we're now half an hour into the episode, and we haven't gotten into some music yet. Oh boy! Yeah, I'll let you take the helms of this first one, and then I'll <laughs> chime in. Okay. Yes. Um. So starting off with, well, actually, I guess before <laughs> before we get into it, what was the first song you heard from this album? The obvious one. So in Seeds of Love. Yes. Me too. It's one I remember the most, but I can only assume it's the one I heard the first. I don't. Yeah. Um, also, we didn't discuss it in the previous episode, the videos. Um, what's your favorite music video? From so does he love. Same here. Okay, same page. Um, but yeah, so, Woman in Chains is a beautiful song. Magnificent song. One of the prettiest songs ever written. One of the prettiest songs I've ever heard. Such a beautiful song, instrumentally, vocally, melodically, lyrically, yeah, yeah, all yeah. of it. I mean, it's all just pure beauty, and it has such a powerful message. And to hear it coming from someone like Roland, aka a man, uh, right? Right. It's yeah. very touching. Mm-hmm. If I do say so myself, um, yeah, it means a, it's a lot. Great way of putting it, and it, it's one of those things where it's not just necessarily about women, but it's also about the feminine side to men. Mm-hmm. It, it's very patriarchal. Yeah, there you go, patriarchal song. Yep. Yeah, but anti-patriarchy. Yeah. Um, beautiful. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, <coughs> sorry, I keep coughing a lot. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm in love with it. Really, it's it's it made you cry. It it makes you cry so much. <laughs> well, here's the thing. That. I will say I might have mentioned this when I was getting ready for writing my notes for this album, which I kind of gave up on because I just know it so much. Yeah, I, <laughs> I'm going off the top of my head right now. Um, I listened to. Um, the 89 version, 99, 2012, and then a few different versions of 2020. So I listened to this album a few times. And um, the song didn't fail to catch me every single time I heard it. Every time you cried? Not every time. Like, not like a hard cry, but like watery Tear eyes. Tear up. Sniffles. Good. That's what it's yeah. supposed to do. I mean, it's powerful and beautiful. It's what it's supposed to do. See, I, I only wrote notes for the first two songs. That's okay. I'm mean, just gonna go off what I have here. If that's well, okay. hang on, hang on. I'm not done. Um, I one of my fa- I think my favorite memory associated with this song is looking back at you during Bethel and seeing you sing with your full heart. So her. <laughs> no, but like it, it was funny, but it was also like not funny in like a sense of like, oh, you meant it, like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like you. So I feel like no matter what I say or like what I talk about here, it's not going to convey how much I love this song. It's not going to do it justice. Just start crying. Yeah. (laughs) 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 Okay, there you go. So I think I would rank this song with like Bridge Over Troubled Water by Simon and Garfunkel or like Let It Be by The Beatles as being one of the most beautiful songs I've ever heard. 100%. 100%. 
Um, you know, as soon as, you know, you listen to like the first minute to minute and a half of the song, you can 100% tell it's not the same band that yeah. wrote The Hurting or Shout if you're going by opening tracks. This is a different Tears Your Fears, you know, long gone are the days of being those two guys who just press buttons on a synthesizer and wear oversized jumpers. You know, this is this is a different thing, you know, no, yeah. not to disregard the first two albums, but like this just it's like mind blowingly different from Shout. Or especially the hurting, you know? Yeah. Um, it was a huge creative jump between Big Chair and the Seeds of Love, and that's noticeable right away. Um, it's one of the only two songs Roland wrote on his own for the album, the other being Third World. Mm. And I think this is the best song on the album, but it's not my favorite. It's my second favorite on the album. But um, mm-hmm. I think he wrote the song with his mother in mind. 100 percent yeah oh, absolutely. and how he was you know raised because he would say like you know obviously his mother and father ran like a, what was like an entertainment agency something or something like that. that yeah and he said that like um his dad um would send his mom like if, if his mom like was stripping or whatever his dad would send someone um to go spy on her and whatnot. Basically, like, if she was caught talking to another man, like, she'd get beat at home or something like that, mm. which is just awful, you know? Horrible. Well, that, and... that thing is gone now. And didn't he yeah. die in the late 80s? You know, he died in 85. I don't even think they rekindled. Oh, wow. Oof. Yeah. Wow. But, um... No, this song, especially, you know, he's been very vocal as to how he was raised and how, like, what life was like growing up in that house. Mm-hmm. And you feel every word he sings in the song, like I said. Yeah. And um, it's just a beauty, you know? It yeah, really I can is. hear you, like, getting into it right now, just talking about it. Yeah, I mean, songs, like, not only about how, I guess, the world and society puts women in chains, but also, I guess, how men put their feminine side in chains too yeah, and by absolutely. that they become more aggressive and mm-hmm. just more inhumane with everything in their lives yeah and you really do feel it in the lyrics and you know the story goes that Roland and Kurt saw Lita at the Peppermint Duck Lounge in Kansas City and they were moved by what they saw and felt like she was like the, what she was doing music that organic was going to reshape you know, yeah, tears for fears to come. And would you believe on eighties Ian Stanley took credit for Lita? He basically know. said the night where Roland Kurt went, he went with someone else from their crew. He couldn't remember. Her. He then said to Roland Kurt, "You need to go see this lady performing in the uh, bar." Well, then maybe that did happen, but yeah. he wasn't the one that like actually recruited her, though. Yeah. So yeah, when they were struggling with this album, like a lot. They flew out in the uh, winter or fall of 87, flew out to Kansas City with her. And she wasn't really like feeling it, but she did it anyway. And she came over in the beginning of 88. And that's where all those townhouse recording sessions on the box Mm. that come from when they recorded there, which are some of the best things they've ever done, really. But, you know, I'm really glad the world was introduced to Elite Adams through this song because probably one of the best voices I've ever heard. And she has a Grammy, doesn't she? She, I think get she, here, right? I think she does have a Grammy, yeah. And Tears Your Fears yeah. don't, so she's got the beat there. She yeah. probably, yeah, I think she does have a Grammy. But, um, yeah, um, but yeah, Alita's contribution to the song is necessary mm-hmm. and it's really just perfect. I mean, she has the most flawless voice I've ever heard in my life. Mm-hmm. I know Roland initially said he wrote it to be like, not a duet, just a song he would sing on his own. And thank God he got her, you know. The record company wanted a uh, Whitney Houston. I was about to say that, yes, because I heard that on Rock on Tours. Yeah, um... Rock on Tours with. Uh... Mm-hmm. I always forget it's either Martin or Gary. Gary Kemp. <laughs> and Guy Pratt is. Guy Pratt. Mm-hmm. He's based on Mr. Pessimist, but this isn't elemental yet. We will get there. <laughs> but yeah, like they were pushing for Whitney Houston, like the Whitney Houston to sing it. Imagine that. Imagine you know, was... Whitney Houston with Roland Orzabal. But when you think about it, having feels, someone who was feels like a cop well-known... out, kind of. 
Yeah, like, so if you, having someone who wasn't a name, I feel like it was a better choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she delivered. I'll tell Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Song um, never fails to move me. Oh, yeah. It's probably, I would say, overall their best song. Probably. It's hard to argue because, you know, the, the safe pick is Everybody Wants to Rule the World, but I don't even go near that song when I say best here's your fear songs. It doesn't even come close, in my opinion. Sure, people say it's a great rounded pop song, but, like, no, this is... This, but is, this is a masterpiece. Like, this is something different. Now, for this this time around, I did remember to write down my favorite lyrics. Good, I was about to ask you. <laughs> um... So yeah, for my favorite lyrics from Women in Chains, it's it's under my skin, but out of my hands, I'll tear it apart, but I won't understand. But especially, I will not accept the greatness of man. Yeah. How about you? Um, it's such an easy pick because they say it so many times, but so free her is just so oh, simple yet so effective. And every time they say it, in the ending portion of the song, you feel it and you get it, basically. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and the, the way the song kind of, like, resolves in the end and fades out, and it's just, like, the female backing vocals singing it. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God, so good. <laughs> um, yeah, so to rate this song, five out of five. Five out of five, it's, I still say it's their best song, you know? Oh, yeah. I can't. I honestly don't even think that's a safe pick because it's not from Songs in the Big Chair because that's you know that's the only album that Tears of Fears did that was any good. If you ask a lot of people, right? You know, if you ask the general online music community, it's you know <coughs> the singles from the Hurting are good. Songs in the Big Chair is like one of the best albums of the '80s, and that's it. Yeah. No one cares about the Seeds of Love, which is a shame. You know. Um, it's a huge moving shame. on to. Oh, what's your rating for it? Oh my god, don't even ask me. <laughs> <laughs> five out of five, easy. Bad man's pick. song. Um, so uh, this song, the, the story behind this song is sometime during the 1985 tour. Actually, you go ahead and say it. You probably would tell it better than I would. So, um, during the 85 tour, I remember where they were. I don't but... either. I think it was somewhere in the States, I think. It was in, it was in the States, yeah. It was yeah. when they were touring Leonard Apple in America. Mm-hmm. And um, it, Roland was trying to get some sleep because the party for the crew and I guess other band right. members was in mm-hmm. the room next to him. So he phoned them up and said he was just trying to sleep, like tone it down or like end it and whatnot. And basically, the whole rest of the time, he just heard the crew and I guess maybe even other people in the band. I don't know if that's the case or not. Just saying like effing rolling this, effing rolling that, blah, 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 blah. Basically, they were shit-talking. Yes, they were crap-talking, shit-talking. They were (laughs) clowning all over him, you know, because whatever. And he actually gets in the um, album credits in um, the gate folder, album sleeve, whatever version of the album you have, it says under Batman song, to the boys in 628 all is forgiven. That's so cute when you think about it. That's though. funny, yeah. Well, because you figure this is essentially a diss track in a way. Yeah. And so, you know, to be like, hey, by the way, it's all good, but I still made a song about it. Yeah. <laughs> so, according to my dad, this is his least favorite Tears for Fears song, but my brother in Christ has not heard Gas Giants, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> you and your That's Gas Giants. Amen. Listen. I'm gonna give you a CD next time I see you. That just gas giants 18 times. <laughs> um. So this song, I think it's really good. I love how it, it's different than what you'd be expecting from Tears for Fears. And typically, I'm not a jazz person, but they made it work. The only thing I don't like about um the song is that it's a little too long. That's the only issue I have with it. But everything else I like. And my favorite part um, is kind of when it kicks up. You know, Roland is the, I heard every word that was said that night when the light of the world, with the world yeah. too, right? When I hear soft whispers at the break of day, silence, even though live it's a finger snap. It's just a finger snap thrown in. Yeah. 
Um, so I love the part where then Alina's like, sweet talking boys who could do no wrong, and the story is tall as the day is long, such a thin line drawn between friend and foe. Lord help me now and bless my soul. Look at you. I'm just like, that whole part, you know what I mean? That whole yeah. part. Basically, from what I said up until it goes into the chorus again, I, that's mm-hmm. my favorite part of the song. Um, or would you rate it? <laughs> Sorry. Um, four point eight. 4. It 8. loses so point two points for being, being too long. long. So I'm throwing out that pitchfork rating, saying four point eight. That's not a bad ranking. Um, this is it's funny. This is a song I like, love, but never listen to. Mm. I only listen to and I like listen to the album. I never go out of my way to listen to this because it's just so freaking long. Yeah, but <laughs> I really what they do need love to it. Do is make a perfectly condensed version in such a way that they perfectly condensed shout in that one um, single edit. I don't remember mm-hmm. which one it is. Anyway, continue. Oh, not the one that fades out the guitar solo. <laughs> Hell no. <laughs> um. So yeah, if you like, you know, you listen to the Seeds of Love and you thought, oh, Women in Chains is very different from one of those years, maybe this next song will sound more like them and it's even more distant from the band you used to know, you know? Um, it doesn't Absolutely. sound like Tears Is this the least Tears Your Fears sounding Tears Your Fears song? Probably. To the general ear. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, the musicianship on this song is unbelievable. Like That oh, drum yeah. intro, that... Man the outplayed. Piano. Alita's piano part is so unbelievably complex. Um, you know, you got uh, Pino Palladino is one of the all-time bass greats, in my opinion. Um, also, I should point out he plays bass on Women in Chains, and he's just like not credited. <laughs> yeah, because we were talking about that in the music videos episode, and you you had a bit of confusion. Um, so, like, what's the answer there, though? Is it really not Kurt? I went to the Seeds of Love um, history booklet in the box that where they gave the interviews and comprehensive start to finish of the album. And um, basically the whole thing was Roland just don't doesn't know why he brought Pino Palandino in to play on Woman in Chains. And then Kurt said, I wasn't bothered by it at all. I didn't feel like doing it. And he's a great bassist. So Kurt doesn't play bass on Woman in Chains. Interesting. Yep. Um, <laughs> in terms of favorite lyrics... My mind is it's kind of basic, but it's well. Here's to the boys back in six two eight, where an ear to the wall was a twist of fate. That's also my favorite lyric. Well, because um, and if there's a bit of confusion, six two eight is the room number that the party was in. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I know a lot of fans. I'm like on the music boards, and I see discussions on Facebook and whatnot. A lot of people consider this to be too drawn out, pretentious, like a waste. Of like album tracks, like length, people think, oh, if you stick, you know, always in the past and rhythm of life on here instead, it's way better. No, it's not. I no. can see why people would think it's pretentious. Um, yeah, you but know, it, like, but I don't like jazz either. I don't like jazz either, but yeah, this is a good song. Um, I don't, I think as great of a song as always in the past is, I just don't think it fits on this album. And rhythm of life, just not a good song to be on here at least in my eyes it would drag the album a little especially you know considering they couldn't get it right basically Alita did it good Alita did a great job with it but whenever yeah. I hear the Tears of Fury's versions there's two of them they're like good because they're like fun to listen to them on it because oh it's like an unreleased Tears of Fury song basically it's probably the only one to our knowledge that they recorded mm-hmm. but it's just eh <laughs> you know when they did it but Batman's song um I don't think it's too drawn out. I think it's a highlight when they play it live. And my favorite part is basically what you said. It's the look at yourself, see how you lie. And mm-hmm. well, no, that's that great. And then, so it, and then when they redo the chorus at the end for like the last two minutes and it's just like exploding, basically. Mm-hmm. That was a highlight for me live. You know, musicianship on that song is just oh, so yeah. good. Five out of five. Yeah. Uh, moving on. Sowing the Seeds of Love. This is the This is the biggie. Now, this song is, I would need to make a list, um, but this is a song that means a lot to me. It's one of the most meaningful Tears for Fears songs to me, because this song really 
is one of like my mottos. I mean, I am all for love. I mm. think this world is too much hate, too much of a divide. I just think we need to spread more love and kindness and compassion and understanding. So, like, this song, like, call me a hippie. I don't care. I'm a hippie. Hippie. Um, yeah. Hell yeah. Peace, <laughs> not war. Um, this song, I mean, you know, spread love and music and in, in Roland Orzabal's words, those goddamn fucking politics. Yeah. Fuck <laughs> those politics. I hate politics let me just say that right now i hate politics because nothing good ever comes from them and like i said before we just need more love we do anything is possible when you're sowing the seeds of love people yes anyway sorry i'm getting a little too uh, (laughs) into it so i like this song i love the overall sound i love like the bit of a wackiness to it now, as an avid Beatles listener, is this Beatlesque to you? Um, well, the tempo is because it's the same exact tempo as I Am the Walrus. Oh, interesting. Okay, you know which what? is then funny because um, they wanted yeah. that's what the kind of the intention was, but I guess no one had like the forty-five on hand or whatever. Was so I Am the Walrus's single? It was the B-side to Hello Goodbye, and was also on the Magical Mirrors Victoria EP. Oh, okay. Yeah, and Look then in the states it was stuff. on. In the states it was on the Magical Mystery Tour album, but um, yeah. it's very funny. Um, they I guess didn't have it, so they ended up copying the tempo to "Piggy in the Middle" by the Ruddles, which I don't know if you would know what the Ruddles was. It was I basically a Monty Python version of the Beatles with Eric Idle and Neil Innes and Ricky oh, Sitar okay. from the Beach Boys was in it. <laughs> yeah, it was like a, a TV movie type of thing. It's hysterical. Oh. It's one of my all time okay. favorite comedies. It's amazing. But yeah, um, they just end up using Piggy in the middle of the model, see the sowing the seeds of love, and it's so funny that they had to use that. But um no, I think this song, if I ever were to like just be asked on like unprompted, what is your favorite song of all time? This one could come up very easily. Um yeah, it's, it's, it's- been my favorite Tears Your Fears song for a while. Um, it kind of flip flop between this and another song on the sound that we won't hear this week, next week. We'll talk about it. But yeah, this song is like, I don't know. Peak? Peak. It's Peak Tears Your Fears. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's probably number one or number two. Because I know it went off on Woman Chains being their best song, but it's probably this. I don't know. <laughs> Make up your damn mind. Because like this song, if you just if you listen to the song with headphones and blast it, it's so good. Oh yeah. Like there's so much going on, so much unnecessary production, but it's just I'm okay that this album's overproduced. Because it just adds to it. Um, yeah. I love seeing this song live. Yeah, I mean, me too. My favorite part, man, is just those goddamn. I mean, I'm just using this as an excuse to swear, but <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, it's one of my favorite Roland quotes because I feel it on a spiritual level. It's goddamn fucking politics. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Period, though. Period. Yeah. Preach. Uh, I guess if I were to like talk about the Beatle thing, the influence is definitely there. Paul McCartney, like the song he said, was a great tribute. Oh, that's cool. Um. It's kind of like if, you know, if John, unfortunately, like, if, you know, if, unfortunately, he was murdered in 1980. So mm. he would never run to hear True I know he would have loved them, probably. Probably. You never not, know. That's actually know. something interesting to think about. Yeah, but um, his song honestly kind of just sounds like if John and Paul got back together in the late 80s, put together a song on the Fairlight. You know, it, it does have their feel to it, you know? Mm hmm. And you know how the story goes. Roland was listening to BBC either Radio 4 or 5 in the car. I think it was in the car. And he heard a radio program about lost folk tunes of the uh, early 20th century. And one of them was about this guy, Mr. England, sowing the seeds of love. Yep. Yeah. And then the the phrase, I love a sunflower, comes from a graffiti that he saw. Yeah, did I ever show 
sent you a picture of the graffiti? Yeah, you did. Yeah, it's it was actually neat. really cool. Yeah. Um, but I my favorite part of the song is um. After the um. About after the part about the books with the trumpet solo. Mm-hmm. That's my favorite part, and there's like a guitar that like accompanies it, and then Roland lets out that song that you love, mm-hmm. which is very impressive. And then it breaks down the Ian Stanley's Hammond organ solo. That's like the best part, and then it just like the chorus repeats and repeats and repeats till it fades out, which is just this song's like a perfect mix of like psych pop and like new wave. Even though I don't think Tears for Fears were that new wave, especially here. No. Like new wave new wave was dead by the late eighties, you know. I yeah. think Socks in the Big Chair was kinda it for them being yeah. a new wave act. This is like just a perfect blend of like alt pop and psych pop, basically. Yeah. Um it's like I don't know, like I feel like I'm not doing the song enough justice here, but I'm just overthinking it. Like I don't Maybe. know. Maybe. The song like, favorite... speaks for itself, basically. Yeah, absolutely. It's just a masterpiece. Uh, my mm-hmm. favorite lyrics are "Time to eat all your words, swallow your pride, open your eyes." Song Eerie. by Roland, by the way, I think. Oh yeah, we we I Brendan and I are personally convinced as even though it sounds like her, we're convinced that it's Roland because we're just super familiar with his tonality, and Roland can do a decent job at imitating Kurt. Because he does a similar thing on Fish Out of Water, which we'll get there. But either it's just Roland or both Roland and Kurt. But Roland trying to sound like Kurt, making it only sound like it's Kurt. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Time guess... to eat all your words. Swallow your pride. Open your eyes. Facts. Facts, um, bro. A politician graining with your high ideals. Having no idea how the majority feels. Facts. But, that was about Margaret Maggie, Thatcher. Back, that's about Maggie Thatch. Yeah. And then uh, kick out the style, bring back the jam, which is a Paul Weller for doing the shit style council music instead of doing the jam. Style um, council got stale after one album. I don't care if there's any style council fans out there. You know the best work was with the jam. <laughs> um, and then all, another favorite lyric of mine, of course, is anything is possible when you're starting to see the love. It's our gosh darn outro. I read a soul the seeds. Oh yeah. Um, Real. If you're um, wanted, five man, out if of you're a, what was, What's the lyric? I forget. Hang on. Feel Blanking. the pain. Talk about it. If you're a worried man, shout about it. If you're a worried mind, man, feel sh- about it. Open mind. Think about it. Everyone read about it. Everyone scream about it. That is, that whole line right there, like all of that, is also one of my favorite lyrics. If you're a worried man, then shout about it, which is a little reference to 1984. Roland. <laughs> did, you ever, did you know that? It is. Oh, if you're a cool. worried man, shout about it. Well, there you go. You I guess I should have figured because you don't yeah. shout. It's a, it's a cool line. To another two shooter song coming up in the next song. But, um, yes. so you should love my five favorite two shooter song, Five Out of Five. Yeah. Moving on, our final song for tonight is Advice for the Young at Heart. This is the only song sung by Kurt. I love it. Oh, the songs! The songs a joy. It's feel of it. It's like a, it's a bit of a tropical feel to it, I guess. Because of yeah, like I don't want to throw up the term because it's not it, but it, I want to say it's sunshine pop, but it's not sunshine pop. Not sunshine. It just sounds very like easy listening, mm-hmm. tropical type of feel. This song is the song Ian Stanley called "Absolute Shit." Well, he's absolute shit, but damn, that's. <laughs> He said this song you know is like he ain't he, even he ain't even in the band no more. Yeah, so his I think opinion yeah, is invalid. He was on Aesography and he said, you know, Woman in Chains and Sons of Love are like the two best songs on this album. And then he said some of Batman's songs, okay, so you can completely get rid of this song and three other songs on side two. <laughs> Which is Listen, like I love his contributions to the hurting and songs of the nature, but he can respectfully piss off. <laughs> yeah. Respectfully. If you're listening to this, we'd love to have you on and like <laughs> wrestle with your opinions, but he's that's not, not happening. He's, yeah. he's not listening to this. Oh, he's barely on this album. I doubt he's listening to it. Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah. So I love this song. I do think it's better suited for Kurt, as we've mentioned before. Um, that's going to be in a future episode where we talk about those. 
Yeah, I just demos and outtakes and everything. Nikki like that. is so prominent on it; like you can actually hear her, and I think that's really cool. Is she the one that has the filtered voice with the "I'll make a promise, I'll make a stand"? Is that her? Um, I think so. It sounds like she has like a deeper voice, right? She does have a bit of a deeper set voice, but it's really good, duh. Like, she's, got, she's got some. She got a good voice. She's got a great voice. Um, but yeah. For some reason, I don't have a whole lot to say for this one, even though it's a magnificent song. Um, I just like it overall. Yeah. <laughs> um, um my we do get one lyric. of Roland's best guitar solos on this song. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And also the thing that you mentioned like two minutes ago, working hour is over. Yeah. It mentioned the working hour. Yeah. Interesting. Because that song's so darn long. <laughs> <laughs> is that what it was in reference to? Yeah. Oh. Okay. And then, yes, yeah, they have a knack of doing that. Rule the world. <laughs> so sad they had a fade. It's about shout. I love how this band like references other songs. It's like DiCaprio when he's like from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. He's pointing at the screen. He's like, you know, like, <laughs> hey, hey, look. <laughs> yeah. Just like that to me. Yeah. Um. My favorite lyric is love is a promise, love is a souvenir, once given, never forgotten, never let it disappear. Yeah. Is that yours too? Um, I think so. There you go. Um, I might say though, um I like the lyric, um hang on, what is it? we've got the whole wide world in our hands that's a nice lyric nice little lyric but i guess i'd have to pick the same one you picked mm-hmm. it's a great lyric and also yeah. i just wanted to point out is that if we're talking about the sonics of this song about just how it sounds the second chorus on this song after the working hours over and the organ kicks up that is one of the best sounds tears has ever put on record it's like you're floating you know, <laughs> it's like you're rolling in someone and he's love just floating in like above the ground. It's just a gorgeous sound. And gorgeous. it's a shame they don't do it live anymore, you know? Cause... Oh, yeah. Don't even talk about it because you've seen it. You've seen it and I haven't. I'm going to yeah, get it's... revenge on you for that. It's a lovely song. Five yeah. out of five. Oh, yeah. <laughs> five out of five. Easily. A cute little song. Yeah, shortest yeah. on the album. I'm pretty sure it second shortest. I think. Oh, okay. Interesting. Because famous last words is what four oh, minutes yeah, thirty yeah. seconds. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah, so yeah, songs um, are long on this one. So that that's the end of the A side of this album. Um, good album. Good set yeah. of songs. I love it. Uh, stay tuned next week for Side B. And the community favorites, I guess. We'll announce yeah. those. And yeah. then after that, what's planned for this? We've got um, the I probably either one or two episodes we're going to do on the outtakes and demos and everything like that. I don't know what we're doing yet, one or two. We'll, we'll figure it out. There is 20-some songs to talk about, so. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Might yeah. have to be two. Well, we'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> um, if you listen to the end, thank you very much. As always, we appreciate your support. Why am I the one who does this spiel every time? Um, I don't know, because always, I'm always the one that does the intro. Not always. How about you go ahead and say all this jazz? I want to hear what you have to say. All right. Um... Thank you so much for listening to another fine episode of History from the Big Chair. Thanks always for um, checking it out and listening to us every week, whether it be on Spotify, Apple, iHeartRadio, whatever the heck Spotify for Podcasters puts us on because there's a bajillion others um, that I've seen around. Um, If you're watching on YouTube, smash that like button, post notifications on, make sure you're subscribed. Um, tell your friends, if you've got Tears for Fears buddies, tell them that, hey, there's this really cool podcast I listen to on the history from the big chair. 
Um, so also follow us on Twitter at HFTBC underscore pod. We're doing the Tear Shifters Daily Challenge on there. Yeah. Um, you could follow us on Facebook at History from the Big Chair. That's all it is there. You could follow us on Instagram, which is our main turf, at History from the Big Chair. Um, that's We do everything there called uh, Merch Monday, Music Monday, Memorabilia Monday, where we show off our Tear Shifters goodies from our collections. Um, we do we do throwback thursday which is the occasional cool pick but i try to pick rare ones that i have they're not rare though <laughs> um and then we do fun fact friday which is always a treat how many times have i had to text you for hey can you like, give me a fun fact like yeah, how many times okay. have i yeah. you overthink it anything i do overthink it i think it'd be a fun fact fun fact tears is two members one or smile hurts me <laughs> <laughs> Can we do not so fun fact Friday? Not so fun fact no. Friday. The Christmas left Tears of Fears in 1991 and Tear Roll in a Car for 10 years. No. Okay. All right. Well, um, so follow Cherry Cola underscore art underscore on Instagram for my personal favorite Tears of Fears artwork. And, um, yeah. Follow me at Tears of Fears dot swag. Yeah, it's discouraging at times, but hey, no. I do it for I do it for the fans. What can I say? So, um, if you made it to the end, awesome, awesome. I'm happy I didn't cry when I was talking about women in chains. So I was getting I choked up a little. I hear you getting a little choked up about it, man. Like, hey, man, hear me out. I love that for you. Yep. All right. So long. Take care and. Always remember to sow the seeds of love.